Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. We're here to discuss X-Men number 40, the January 1968 issue, entitled The Mark of the Monster. Yes, and the top of the cover promises that the X-Men will meet Frankenstein, Nuff said. Yeah. I have does been, that, does I, that excite you? <laughs> I have been eagerly awaiting this issue since we first started this podcast. Well, you might be alone in that one. <laughs> Only because I have a theory here that this is just a, a malfunctioning danger room issue. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> at least I at least I hope that's the case. It's the only thing that could possibly make sense. Any other idea would be stupid. <laughs> Unless this is like apocalypse or something. Well, okay. That that could be well, no, that'd be stupid too. <laughs> Frankenstein is secretly a doom bot. Yeah, um that would that would be pretty dumb. But I could see that <laughs> happening. I mean it's about that era in Marvel Comics where where they would do that just for the heck of it. Crossover. So on this cover we have Frankenstein. Yep. And he's gripping the wall. He's tearing that wall apart. It's a tough steel wall too. Yeah. You can tell because it's got rivets. So it's like the X-Men are in like a submarine or something. Hmm. So at least that's... Or, or they're on the deck of a battleship. I mean, that's what I... When I see arched doorways with rivets like that and that light post with the metal grating on it, that's what I think of when I see that. He's almost got Ator boots. <laughs> For those of you who are not aware, quickly pause the podcast and Google Ator. <laughs> now that you're back, ha 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 ha, let's move on. Okay. The X-Men are attired in their new garb, and uh, they look dashing. Yeah. And they are Seriously. dashing up the stairs. Oh! So let's dive right into it. Um, it looks like... Don Heck is back to join Roy Thomas uh, as they mount the menace that we're about to see, or so (laughs) says the dialogue here. Uh, George Tuska is the inker. Artie Simic is lettering. And that's all we get. What's more, they did it all for you, Tiger. Yeah, so turn the page and live a little. But before we turn the page, we'll discuss this very first page, which has got a very muscular beast strutting his walk up a tightrope or something. Yeah, it's it's like a beam, a support beam of some sort. Mm. So we are in the danger room, okay? So what's going to happen is he's going to go up this tightrope and then they're going to unleash the Frankenstein monster, but due to a glitch, it's going to escape. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> it's got to. It's the only thing that can possibly happen. So there's some force beams on the left or the right of the beast, and so if beast falls off of his little tightrope thing, he'll get shot by the force beams, and it'll hurt a lot. And Iceman is sort of taunting him, and Cyclops is being his usual Cyclopsian self. Yep. Uh, No clowning around, Bobby. Danger room testing is serious business. But wait till he sees the Frankenstein monster I have waiting for him. (laughs) 
Uh, we he, did. He doesn't say that. No, but he's thinking it. We just don't see it. It's <laughs> off page. So we do get a little recap here of the Factor 3 has been defeated and stuff. So we're back to kind of normal X-Men, which is kind of what I'm gathering from that little bubble there. And like good old classic X-Men tales, they begin in the danger room. So here we are. Indeed. Moving on. Iceman does not listen to Scott, and he ices up the pole. Or the tightrope, they call it a tightrope cable. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, so by conduction, he freezes it, and it goes all the way up the the tightrope and freezes uh, Beast's feet. The Beast slips and his head gets shot by one of the force beams we were talking about earlier his head gets taken clean off and he's dead oh wait <laughs> no he just gets punched in the head basically it makes a thock noise thock thock and then if you look at the fourth panel on this page here Iceman is drawn kind of like a harvey comics character like casper <laughs> or richie rich he's got that do you see that lip that he's got going on there yeah. He's got the teeth there, but it's like one single picture and then the line denoting like the end of his lips. It it totally just reminds me of uh I don't Richie Rich or Archie or something. <laughs> and I don't really know what he says. Oh, I'm just having some fun. Can't you take a joke? And Beast is all angry and he's pounding his fist and he says, I'm gonna come and get you because you gave me a headache. Pretty much. And then there's this nice panel of Beast hulking out, essentially. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening there. He's about to uh, lunge over at Iceman and give him what for when the professor uh, chimes in mentally and says, Beast, all of you, stop clowning around. I want you. (laughs) (laughs) The X-Men summarily take all their clothes off and head towards the professor. (laughs) Oh, wait, no. Uh, Knock it off, you two. The professor's calling. So the... uh, X-Men head over there. Marvel Girl apparently is already with the professor. But it turns out that she's actually not. She meets them in the hallway as they're rushing to the professor's office. I don't know about this. I've got a theory. So they head down to the professor's office. Marvel Girl is like coming out of a door, which could potentially be the professor's office. And Angel I don't think so. Angel says something like, weren't you, the, weren't you and the professor working on some kind of hush-hush project? And she's like, um, the answer to that question, Warren, is yes and no. So yes, she was with the professor, and no, they weren't working on a hush-hush project. But I don't know about you, but I think differently. <laughs> I might have some insight into what's going to happen in the future. That's all I'll have to say about that. Hmm. No spoilers. Okay. <laughs> Very well. At any rate, uh, they they get uh, they, they meet the professor in his office. Uh, professor's talking about, oh, I summoned you so quickly because there's a horror which will shock the entire world. The unholy creation known as Frankenstein's monster has been found. <laughs> At which point I started wondering, okay, well, maybe... Marvel in Marvel reality, Mary Shelley never wrote a book. And, uh, you know, maybe Frankenstein is real in the Marvel universe. Sure, why not? We got we got but, mutants and superheroes and Galactuses. Why not a Frankenstein? But no. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Mary Shelley does exist in the Marvel universe and did write a book called Frankenstein. 
And it's about the same thing that we read when we were kids. And the professor has always believed the book was based on an actual occurrence. <laughs> now, and, and then he follows it up with, and now I'm sure of it, which just lends credence to what we've been saying all along. He's an old <laughs> senile man. None of these people uh, have powers. They're not fighting villains. It's just a bunch of teenagers who are mooching money off of the professor saying, yeah, yeah, we'll go get Magneto for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you totally mind wiped them. Good job. Thanks, my X-Men. It's incredible, but he means it. He's so grim, so intense. I can feel his mental vibrations from here, lass. I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we get a, a flashback. Professor's like, oh, be quiet, you two. I was working on some uh, mental experiments. Hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like that secret room he was working on uh, before the Factor <laughs> 3 thing. That's so weird. <laughs> or maybe it's some sort of hush-hush experiment. Hmm. <laughs> we'll find out. Anyhow, uh, he got some news that some giant man was found encased in solid ice, and it wasn't Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Marvel's answer to everything. If you want it to time travel, just encase it in ice for a couple of decades. It was actually next to Captain America in the ice fortress below the sea. Yeah, I noticed that in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, anyway, so the, there's a couple of guys, and they're like, oh, I've never seen anything like that. Nobody really comments here that, man, that thing looks like Frankenstein. <laughs> but they're like, oh, the museum's going to pay lots of money for this. or They've already paid us, and this is their money's worth. So let's get it back to New York. So that's good. We're not messing around with any plot here, not trying to build any sort of suspense. We're just getting right to it. It is the so-called monster created by Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, uh, Angel is uh, not believing the professor until the professor projects a mental image of, holy Hannah, that face <laughs> on the wall. It can only be, yes, the Frankenstein monster. And a few minutes ago, he sent his astral self to the docking ship, and this is what he saw. Man, the professor is just Johnny on the spot here. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's Johnny on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't add to that one. Uh, so, yeah, Iceman's like, this bozo looks like he might lose the beauty contest with the Hulk. Ha, 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 ha. And uh, Cyclops basically asks, so do you think the monster is a mutant? Yeah, and the professor's like... And the professor's like, no, I, I, I think he's actually an android. <laughs> this is, yeah, well, obviously, you kind of lost me. The comic lost me immediately, you know, a couple pages ago. Uh, this just lends credence to the whole fact that this was a throwaway story and nobody put any effort into this whatsoever. <laughs> Is it a mutant? No, it's an android, just like I've always suspected. What? But perhaps Dr. Victor Frankenstein was a mutant. Why on earth would the professor suspect that this Frankenstein monster, which he always suspected was real, was also an android? There's no evidence <laughs> for that whatsoever. Like, I can understand he read the book and he like maybe he read some subtext or between the lines or something. And it's like, this is just a little too realistic. I think this must be based on true events. 
But where in there did he leap to the conclusion that, and it's an android? He's a crazy old man. Frankenstein? <laughs> okay, so the X-Men are kind of like, all right, well, I guess we got to go to the museum and get him or something. You heard the professor. Let's go. <laughs> Cyclops says as he pulls on his little yellow gloves. <laughs> Pulls up his pants. <laughs> I'm done feeling the vibrations. Let's get our pants on and go. So then we flash over to the uh, museum where the Frankenstein monster is encased in ice. And there's a little argument about, like, I want to do experiments. You have to wait till the government. Oh, those dumb bureaucrats. But then he says, stand back while I lower the temperature inside this plastic glass casing. I'm no scientist, but if you lowered the temperature, wouldn't that make <laughs> it even colder? Since when did the ice become a plastic glass casing? Well, the ice is in the plastic glass casing, <laughs> I think, mm. I guess. I don't really know. Because apparently lowering the temperature in the plastic glass casing causes the thing to thaw out or something. Frankenstein? <laughs> So the X-Men uh, arrive at the museum, and there's a guard there that says, what did he says, Professor Xavier, pleasure to see you again. So apparently the uh, the museum security guard knows the professor, but still won't. Of course, because the professor comes here daily. Sure. Yeah, have you seen any Frankenstein monsters? Okay, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> professor X does not know the guard's name. <laughs> it can't be closed, guard. <laughs> It's, oh, it's you. Can we come in? No, Professor Xavier. Well, move aside, guard. Uh, like so he, yeah. The professor has Jean Grey knock the guy over. Yeah, I don't know. For what reason? Just to get him out of the way, which, okay, fine. They, yeah, they, but why doesn't he mind wipe him? What? Adam, he's a crazy old man. <laughs> he's senile. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't even know where he is. He probably looked over. He's like, you with the red hair. I remember you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for whatever reason, instead of peacefully knocking him out, like, oh, you're getting sleepy or you don't see us right now. You will right. go aside and be happy. She tells Jean, he tells Jean to forcibly knock him against the brick wall. Yeah, and give him, like, brain damage, probably. <laughs> well, that's not the first act of... That's not the only act of violence in this issue. Uh, yeah, the X-Men are just chaotic. I know. They really need to get reined in there. So, uh... They... So they hear a crash and a thwup from coming in inside the building, and immediately they have to get uh, their costumes on. Yep, sure. They get you can mentally observe from here, sir. Thanks, Scott. I'm well aware of what my powers can do. <laughs> now get out of my face. So they, uh, it, we flash into the uh, museum again. Frankenstein has busted out of his plastic glass chamber. And for some reason, the scientist, his clothes are all shredded as if he's transformed into the Hulk and then back to <laughs> David Banner again. I'm not really sure. I guess there was some sort of explosion and maybe his, his scientist jacket caught on fire. Sure, sure. He untucked his pants. That could be his shirt. Yeah, uh, there's no flames or evidence of smolder or smoke or charred. But but that I'll, I'll go with that. 
so he's smashing through walls, but the X-Men, uh, looks like Iceman, Angel, and Beast, they rush in, and they, they always, they use Plan Alpha, which is, everybody <laughs> randomly attack! <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Iceman says, look out, guys, he's too big for us to charge right into him. So he's thinking, you know, Iceman's definitely got an idea of that what they do is not too, is not, it's not that bright. Beast is just like, nah. Angel's going to try a little something called a frontal assault. <laughs> and he gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Frankenstein monster punches him square in the face. Angel goes flying backward. And the Frankenstein monster talks fairly articulately for what you would consider a Frankenstein monster. He talks like the Hulk. You know, I, puny humans. I never really read the Hulk. You know, my my only impressions of the Hulk are from the TV show and the two movies and the Avengers movie. Hmm. And uh, well, that's probably not an accurate representation of what the Hulk is because I think I'm missing Red Hulks and Green Hulks and Gray Hulks and <laughs> Smart Hulks and Strong Hulks and Dumb Hulks, etc. Well, this is the Frankenstein Hulk. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> all right. So he says, "Or puny humans." In costumes like the ones I most despise. So this is an important plot point here. Apparently, he hates costume people for some reason. Yeah, he's the Hulk, and Hulk hates the Avengers. Ah, okay. Yeah, because they betrayed him. Or something. Um, so I'm still, I've still got hope that this is actually just still a danger room experiment, <laughs> and they never actually left the danger room. And okay. and when the X-Men get all done with this, the professor's going to step aside and he's going to do the little clap. <laughs> you figured it out, my X-Men. Clap, clap, clap. We were in the danger room this whole time? Yes, my X-Men. That's Since what's issue 38, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's what's going to happen. So <laughs> let's turn the page and find out. Uh, the Beast, he, he even though he agreed with Iceman's stance that it wasn't a great plan to just charge, he ends up just charging anyways, and he also gets knocked backwards. Yep. Uh, he refers to, let's see, Angel says he's swatting me away like I was a tennis ball. Beast says he's hurling me away as if I were a virtual paperweight. Yeah. Repeating theme. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Ice... Or... It's heavier, a paperweight or a tennis ball. It doesn't matter. They're both dumb lines. <laughs> uh, Cyclops enters the fray and shoots him, shoots the Frankenstein monster. Uh, meanwhile, the curator of the museum calls the police while loading and cocking his gun and says, get here soon. So he also says he hasn't seen anything. He just, He's just heard something. So he's like, somebody's tearing up the place, but... I don't know what it is. What? No, so, I haven't looked to see what it is. Just rush over here while I load my pistol. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, uh, Cyclops continues shooting the Frankenstein monster, and Frankenstein's like, yo, with weapon, but that feeble beam? It has no effect, and uh, Cyclops trips. <laughs> well, this is... I don't, okay, so first he says... Still, I'm sure now that he's an android made of some kind of unknown metal. Okay, so he used his scientific prowess to leap to the conclusion that he's an android. And then uh, there's a close-up panel of Frankenstein's face, a thacking sound, and an explosion, and a little thought bubble where 
Cyclops says, Oh, I tripped over some debris. Can't dodge him in time. Don't you think that would have been something better to show than to <laughs> do in word balloon form? Because yeah. you don't even have to write it that way. You could, cause based on the next page, the next page shows Marvel Girl rescuing Cyclops and just pulling him out of the way. So you could have just rewritten that whole balloon to be like, oh, he's got me. He's too close. He's going to kill me. And then you could have gone to, you know, because we're talking about the, the Marvel, Mighty Marvel method, right? Where the author, right, right. where the artist drew and then, you know, whoever came back and wrote some stupid words here. <laughs> just there's no like a, I don't very angry at the lack of interest that they were putting into this particular issue. <laughs> I'll okay. get used to it. <laughs> oh, don't say that. All right, so so Gene pulls Cyclops away from getting, uh, I guess, killed by Frankenstein. We'll play it your way. He didn't trip. He almost got killed. No, but he says he tripped, so he did. I know. I was changing the story. Yeah, but you can't do that. It's been written. It's canon. You can't All change right, it. Fine. Cyclops trips. <laughs> this isn't the ultimate universe. You can't just make new stuff up. All right. Thank so, heaven. If anything had happened to you, better save it for later, girl. Finally, Marvel Girl displays a little bit of emotion to Cyclops, which he's been yearning for since issue one. He's like, can it, lady? <laughs> Look, I don't care what kind of peril I'm in, even if I'm being attacked by a Frankenstein monster. If a girl that I've been crushing on for two years finally shows something, I'd be like, really? Really? You want to go on a date after this? Can we hold hands? Please. <laughs> yeah, I would be totally inappropriate. She'd be like, but but, but they're killing our friends. Ah, screw them. That's, <laughs> that's more of your attention for me. Let's get out of here. <laughs> let's go. Let's go catch a movie. The professor Forget will take this it. old man and his Frankenstein. <laughs> Quite frankly, the professor creeps me out anyways. All right, so anyways, uh, apparently the Frankenstein monster also has eye beams. Yes. He's and, got his own set of optic beams and, that produce shockwaves, even stronger than Cyclops's. Yep, so he shoots uh, Angel, Cyclops, and Beast, and Marvel Girl must have fallen down because she's not rendered falling down but she's out for the count there in the fourth panel and Iceman has mysteriously disappeared yeah he was there he was the one that was kind of like oh I don't know about attacking and he was charging in but he is mysteriously missing since that panel he has not appeared so the X-Men based on the little balloon here says fortunately the training of the X-Men has saved them from a serious harm but almost as the creature vanishes from sight, they wake Heads up. Heads up, you, till you explain why you were vandalizing the museum. It's the curator with his loaded pistol. Yes, vandals, the exemplary X-Men, the Beast says. And he says there's no use. He must disarm them. Uh, before. Uh, I hope I can reach him before he fires, presumably, his gun. At which point Iceman steps in and freezes the curator's body, thus killing him. Just like the guard. So, to me, it looks like he just freezes his head. <laughs> and the gun. And the gun. Yeah, but if somebody comes over and freezes your entire head, that's going to do some severe damage. Oh, yeah, I'm not arguing with that. Okay, he might not be dead, but I mean, it's he's definitely going to walk away from that with some brain damage. I'm okay with him being dead. <laughs> All right, he's dead. Iceman killed the curator. Marvel Girl <laughs> killed a guard. 
Uh, all right, so he, they he they all wake up the X Men and then they uh, get into the Rolls Royce and they speed off into the night. Uh, in a turn from what was a previous issue, I think they put a little bit of sanity in this one where. Uh, somebody says, do you really think we can find him again, Professor? He won't register on Cerebro. I think there was a previous issue where non-mutants were registering on Cerebro, or perhaps androids. I don't Maybe Sentinels? I can't remember. Whatever was convenient. <laughs> and anyways, they're saying now that Cerebro cannot track an android. So, yay! Consistency! <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Okay, so... Uh, the professor says, that's okay. I sent the angel ahead to, uh, find him. And we cut to angel, uh, seeing some of the debris and damage that the Frankenstein monster has been causing. And, uh, he lead, he follows these, uh, explosions and, and crippled cars and bent lampposts to a eight car pileup. But he says he still needs to find one more sighting in order to be sure which direction he's going. And then he thinks, well, oh, that's when he sees the eight-car pile up. All right. You're just a little bit ahead of me, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the professor... <laughs> I'm always a little bit ahead of you, Jeremy. Yes. Then the professor receives a mental report from Warren, and they say we must get to the New York Harbor, at which point they they steal a helicopter. And this is the point where the professor uses his mental powers to command the officials to give them a helicopter, which reminds us once again that he could have used his mental powers earlier to tell the guard to let them go in this thing and forget everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Correct, Scott. My mental powers didn't include teleportation, but I could command the officials to give us a helicopter and then forget the whole matter. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. But I didn't remember to do this earlier when I had Marvel Girl knock out a guard. And there's a little line here that assures us that we can return it later, but right now we've got to stop that android. And then they see Warren. Oh, and they're heading to his ship, so maybe I was right. About the oh. cover, yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks like the final battle is going to be on a ship. And then uh, Iceman, well, previously Iceman had revealed that the professor had him stay behind for unknown reasons. And now uh, Iceman asks the professor why, and the professor says, don't worry, Iceman, I had you stay back last time because of a premonition I had. Oh, he's just getting crazier and crazier, the <laughs> professor. I did a seance before this <laughs> altercation, and it turns out that we need you not to fight this one. Yes, the spirits told me to hold back. <laughs> so uh, the X-Men land the helicopter on the ship. The ship apparently is run by uh, a small militia because they all have <laughs> automatic weapons, and they're they're a surly bunch. Easily knocked out by Beast and Iceman, throwing snowballs at them. Well, there's another point of confusion that I have here. Um, uh, Iceman says, "Uh uh-oh, 
Homo sapiens are suspicious enough of us anyway, and now in their new costumes, Scott and Jeannie aren't even recognizable. Oh, uh, yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> so were the X-Men really all that recognizable when they had their old costumes? And is Cyclops' outfit that different? Yeah. Oh, it must be a different superhero with a, a funny eye thing and a blue costume <laughs> and yellow and trim. Blue and yellow costume. Ooh. <laughs> that must be the other guy. What other guy? I don't know. There's too many of them these days. But apparently they would recognize Iceman. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or they should. I, I don't know. He's got a new belt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then they're like, who's that gay guy flying up there with the weird costume? That's me, Angel. I'm not gay. <laughs> I'm That's... more like an angel than ever. I'm happy, but... Oh, it's your costume, son. It's your costume. What about it? Never mind. Angel drops Beast onto the bad guys, who takes two of them out. Iceman takes one out with a giant snowball. Cyclops blasts the last three, and then Marvel Girl captures the captain by raising him in the air with her telekinesis. And uh, the professor, let's see, uh, Marvel Girl says, we can't explain now, Captain, but we're the X-Men and we must search the ship. And the captain's like, the X-Men? Oh, permission granted. <laughs> so there, I mean, if they would have, I guess you're right, if they would have worn their original costumes, the captain would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Lower your guns, it's the X-Men. Welcome aboard, welcome aboard. Yeah, this he just recognizes them as, hey, it's Iceman and some dudes. Uh, yeah, I don't, like the lo- I don't like the looks of those guys, though. Iceman's okay, but... <laughs> you can search the ship. Um, the rest of you, not so much. So, the professor says, you guys go on ahead. I'll use my mental abilities to hold the crew immobile while you search the hold, but be careful. Which he shouldn't need to do because they just wiped out the crew. Yes, the crew is knocked out, and the captain basically said, welcome aboard. Yet the professor is needlessly using his powers to hold them in check. And why didn't he do that in the first place? Maybe he's just practicing. <laughs> Again, you know what? It goes back to this is just an elongated uh, danger room exercise. Okay. And the okay. professor is just playing the part like, oh, yeah, knock out that guard. Now I'll hold these people in check. Yeah, he's got a little clipboard. Marvel Girl killed one. Iceman <laughs> killed one. Don't know if that's a good score or a bad score, but he is keeping track. <laughs> All right, so they head down to the cargo hold to see if they can find the Frankenstein monster. And the Frankenstein monster is hiding, and he drops down and attacks beasts. But Beast is somewhat prepared for it and kind of dodges out of the way. Upstairs, or up on the upper decks, Marvel Girl, Iceman, and Professor X hear the uh, the sound of Frankenstein trashing some stuff. And uh, let's see, what, what happens here? Oh, Bobby can't go down below. His time has not yet come. But stand ready. Yes. Some and then Beast shows up somehow on the upper decks with the Frankenstein monster right behind him. And somebody I thought he was in the lower decks. I think he he went up the stairs. I don't know. The the danger room is evolving as they go through this con this uh <laughs> this exercise. Uh somebody throws a rope around the Frankenstein monster. Yeah, but the Frankenstein he oh it's it's a, it looks like it came from a hoist, so they're gonna lift him up. 
But apparently Frankenstein also has magnetism, so he can magnetize himself to the ship's deck. He has magnetized boots. Yes. Or he's Magneto. <laughs> Magneto Hulk. We haven't seen Magneto in a while. So I have uh, I have some information about Magneto actually. Well, well, let's let's wait till this riveting issue is over. Okay. And then we can dive into Magneto world. All right. So then uh, this the rope snaps and uh, the Frankenstein finds some barrels and he starts chucking barrels at the X Men. And Iceman can't wait. I know the professor said to stay back, but I can't stand it any longer. Besides, I can't have worse luck than the rest of the X-Men are having. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the rest of the X-Men are having their hats handed to them by the Frankenstein monster. Uh, Marvel Girl, as as the uh, Frank, as Frankenstein is throwing barrels at the X-Men, Marvel Girl stops him from throwing one with her telekinesis. This uh, starts the formation of some kind of plan, I think. No, not really. Because no, Frankenstein slams his foot down and causes some shock waves that knock Marvel Girl off of her feet, and uh, I guess she's unconscious. Sure. Um, Iceman, I gather, is unconscious, but you don't really figure that out until later. He's falling unconscious, and the reason I can tell is he's got those little yellow star things all around his okay, head. Okay, I'll buy that. Like the little birdies floating around his head. So he and he's and he's talking about his epidermis, which is kind of funny, because <laughs> he's not beast. I mean, he's Iceman. Iceman doesn't say epidermis, but anyway, that's true. Uh, so uh, Cyclops comes in from wherever he was and starts shooting at uh, Frankenstein. Of course, it doesn't do any good. Um, beast is swinging around. I think he's concocting a plan of his own. I think he hits him on the back of the head. Oh, he does. He does swing around like a pi- pirate and hits. Kicks him in the head. chest, maybe? Yeah, something like that. In the stomach? But that's when the professor uh, comes in, just like the old days, and says, I am not one of the costumed ones you despise, Android, but it is I who command them to attack you. Command, er, it is I who command them to attack you. Therefore, it is I whom you must first destroy, or I shall defeat you. Yeah, the the Frankenstein monster keeps saying, oh, you're the one that I must destroy the first. I guess it's Iceman is, is really the one for some reason. Something like that. And so, He is the one I must kill before all others. So the professor rolls up on the deck and Frankenstein's like, you're helpless. You've sealed your own doom. And uh, the professor's like, he may be right. <laughs> but he has a plan. But he needs a few more seconds. He senses that even his mental bolts would only delay him. Mental bolts. <laughs> stupid power. <laughs> so the professor, I'm not, so Cyclops jumps up and shoots Frankenstein in the head, which does nothing, but the professor, but then um, Frankenstein hits Cyclops over the head with his fist. Well, that's what it looks like. But actually what happens is, he smashes the hole out from under Cyclops, causing Cyclops to flip over. Where's his head? Oh, there's his head, right above the exclamation <laughs> point. Yes. He's all sorts of contorted in this picture. It's 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 an it's an acrobatic feat. If, uh, if and I he used one. up all of his opt- optic power. Yeah, yeah. 
Don't you think, like, you know, Cyclops is always talking about, oh, my power, I'm going to kill people. If he has the ability to use up all of his powers, why wouldn't he just wake up every morning and just, like, shoot all of his power out? Well, because it, it refills pretty quickly. You think so? I mean, don't you think with a little bit of experimentation, experimentation you'd be like, okay, if I just shoot a blast off every two hours. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know, because, well, I'm, I'm just thinking here. So anyways, uh, the professor, he's using some mental bolts now. Now he's using his mental bolts. But he says the android has no human brain for me to control. His that's, old... that's, you know, realistic well, at last. We're, yeah, we're getting a little bit of consistency back in the comic book. Uh, but his only hope is that his final telepathic call is successful in the next few moments. And that pers- and at that precise moment, instant, I should say, and at that precise instant, Iceman ices up Frankenstein and ice, ice the one thing I hate most, forming around me, covering me, freezing me. And uh, as we as we know, he came in a block of ice. So logically, Iceman's block of ice trick should work on Frankenstein. He's just just covering him with ice, and uh, the Frankenstein's like, "It'll do no good. I can break out." And he's struggling, and the ice looks like it's cracking. But Iceman just keeps pouring on more and more ice, and Professor's like, "Keep going! Don't stop! Keep it up!" And just but wait, the... throw an ice cover over us now, Bobby, now! Yes, apparently an ice shield is a, an effective defense against an explosion. <laughs> because the Frankenstein monster, who actually happens to be an android, explodes. Raccoon! And apparently his, his one limitation was extreme cold. And you knew it, Professor! I'm sorry, I almost fouled up by attacking too soon. Never mind, Bobby. All that matters is in his last shimmering seconds of life, I probed the android's artificial brain. So there we go, right back into uh, (laughs) (laughs) unrealistic uh, area for us. My mental bolts don't work on him, but I can probe his his mind. And he learned the real origin of the so-called Frankenstein monster. What was it, sir? Where was he from? Not from this earth, my X-Men. He was the creation of some alien race from a far-off tropical planet, which passed near our world 150 years ago. Hmm. Before we approach the planet's inhabitants, we shall send this experimental android to them. And if he is received with understanding by them, we will then establish personal contact. And the android was meant to be the first interstellar ambassador. But what went wrong? Well, evidently it went berserk, Gene. Yes, anyways, they're trying to retcon the Mary Shelley story, basically saying that it was not fiction, but a true account of an interstellar ambassadorship. Which frankly makes no sense, because (laughs) Mary Shelley's story... Uh, has none of these elements to it. 
I don't just yeah. So there was no Dr. Frankenstein? Is that what they're saying here? Well, perhaps Mary Shelley, as she was authoring the Frankenstein book, was like, well, nobody's ever going to believe that some flying saucer came and dropped this thing off. I'm going to invent a character named Dr. Frankenstein and have him design this monster out of parts and pieces, and Bolt of Lightning will put it together. (sighs) (laughs) At least that's what they're inferring here. And then the when it revived, it only it knew only the instinct of survival and struck out at you because you resembled the colorfully garbed aliens. We'll never know how Mary Shelley learned any of this, but perhaps it's just as well. To which I say, <laughs> boo. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, the last panel is a recap of. A newspaper article talking about the ship exploding, thus explaining how the Frankenstein monster disappeared and absolving the X-Men of any sort of, I don't know, suspicion. And the professor says, what does he say? Perhaps, Hank, but remember, our purpose is to safeguard the world, not search for personal glory. So it, ha- <laughs> so it has been, and so it shall always be. The end. Next issue, The Coming of Grotesque. Yeah, I can't wait for Grotesque. <laughs> wait, He's... wait. What you're telling me here is that they weren't in the danger room this whole time? <laughs> that this actually happened? That this is actually part of X-Men canon? That if yeah. I, I were to look up some sort of Marvel official handbook of the Marvel Universe, I would see character stats for a Frankenstein android? It's true. Is that what you're trying to tell me? That's what I'm trying to tell you, Jeremy. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, compared to the last few, this one was like solid gold. <laughs> I don't think so. If 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 the X-Men have ever jumped the shark, this is the one. <laughs> and it's pretty early, you know. I have a feeling there'll be many more sharks to jump. Frankenstein? So, as it uh anyways, uh that was the end of the first tale of this issue before we dive into the second tale why don't you give us our magneto update magneto update i read avengers 47 48 and 49 in which magneto is trapped on the stranger's planet so apparently the stranger caught him again Right when and, we when we last saw Magneto it was issue eleven, right where the stranger no, no he came back for like issue seventeen or eighteen yeah and uh, he was at the end of the issue he was being chased by the stranger in a very comical panel right like you can imagine like Scooby Doo running away from a ghost or something that was well no of... he took off in his magna car oh okay that's right that's right gotcha so uh, apparently he got caught and. Toad as well. Oh, well, Toad was left on the stranger's oh, okay. planet. Okay, so what happens next? Uh, some humans on Earth are developing some sort of magnetic uh, radar machine, and Magneto is able to tap into it. And somehow he is able to tap into the frequency so well that he can transport himself to the Earth. It doesn't really make much sense. Um, and does he trans- for- does he transport the toad with him? Yes, he does. Oh, that's very nice of him. 
So Toad is back as well. Okay, thank God. And then through the next two issues, he goes to he kidnaps uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and tries to convince them to rejoin the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And uh, he goes to the UN to do this, and sets up a UN meeting where he. Uh, he magically, well, no, he magnetically controls a uh, guard's gun to fire and graze the Scarlet Witch. So Quicksilver, who already has a kind of fear and hatred for the humans, thinks that the humans shot Scarlet Witch. So he rejoins Magneto along with Scarlet Witch. But aren't they both Avengers at this point? They are Avengers, but they renounce their Avengership. Oh, I thought once you were an Avenger, you were always an Avenger. Well... I don't, I don't know. Is that true? I, I don't know. I thought I read that in something. Well, Any... then they're, they're evil Avengers now. They're oh. the Brotherhood of Evil Mutant Avengers. They're the first Dark Avengers. <laughs> so that's what's going on with Magneto. He's back on Earth. Quicksilver and uh, Toad and Scarlet Witch are in the Brotherhood. Oh. The Brotherhood is back. So there's no real conclusion to that story? Nope. Oh. That was, so it was just like a little offshoot? I mean, did the Avengers fight fight them? or? Yeah, the Avengers showed up at the UN. Uh, and the, the Avengers at this point are Goliath, Hawkeye, Wasp. And then Hercules is off running some other mission. And Captain America just quit the team. Oh, okay. Because he needed some time off. I think this is why I'd never really liked the Avengers is because their lineup keeps shifting so frequently. It does seem to shift quite frequently. And it's all the heroes that I just don't care about. Like Hercules and Captain Knight. Wasn't there a Knight guy? Black Knight? They do do actually battle Black Knight in issue 48. And then they seem to battle like people that will become Avengers in the future. Oh, they were totally reckless. They basically saw him coming and they were like, "Uh uh-oh, we once battled somebody who kind of looked like him. Let's take him out. Yeah. It was. They're pretty awful. The okay. Avengers are uh, worse than the X Men when it comes to fighting people. Oh, really? Okay. So there you go, folks. Uh, maybe, maybe one day Magneto will reappear in the pages of the X Men, and and we can talk about him. Until then, we'll keep you. We'll keep you posted. Yeah, yeah. There's further developments in Magneto's life. <laughs> the life and times of Magneto <laughs> outside of the X-Men. Has, did, they, did he take his helmet off at all in the... Uh... He did not. Oh, okay, so he's still, he, a, he's still a mystery. He's still shrouded in mystery as to what he looks like. But the art was... Uh, there was a lot more of his face oh, okay. in, in the art. How, what, what about his hair? No hair. Okay, so nobody knows that he's old yet. Right. Spoilers. He, he in fact, does not look old. Okay. All right, well, let's move on. We have uh, another Origins of the Uncanny X-Men five-page backup story. This one is entitled The First Evil Mutant. You better believe that Stan Lee editor Roy Thomas writer and Werner Roth artist co-created this spellbinding shocker because John Verputin, inker, and L. Kurtzrock, Kurtzrock smash, letterer, sure aren't going to take the blame. Yeah, no dice, no blame. 
Uh, so when we last left, uh, Cyclops was being, or Scott Summers, as it were, was being drawn mysteriously to a cabin by what seemed to be a mental presence. And now he's actually in the uh, cabin with a greasy old man in a purple jacket and blue jeans. He's got slick back hair. He looks like a shyster. And his name he's is... He's got yellow gloves. Yes, he does. He does. His name is Jack Winters, and he's a mutant. The same as you are, whether you know it yet or not. A mutant? I don't even know what you mean. No, 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 Adam. A mutant? I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Sure, I'm running away from the orphanage, but that's all. I don't be that kid. Do you think Cyclops is faking him out or something? Because didn't last issue he know exactly what a mutant was? Ah, uh, jeez, I don't even know. You're paying a lot more attention than I am. Maybe maybe he is playing dumb because, you know, he's... I don't know. He's Cyclops. I don't have any parents. I live in an orphanage. This it's crazy so guy named Mr. Sinister, he keeps visiting me at night. <laughs> spoilers. Right. Oh, spoilers. Anyway, so uh, Jack Winters, he says... Uh, um. Oh, I'll admit it. You're the guy that shot the force ray back in the Capitol and and did some stuff. That was you. He is playing dumb because he's like, okay, I'll admit it. My eyes seem to shoot out some sort of force ray that only these dark glasses can control. But you're not wearing sunglasses like mine. Is your power just a mental one or see? So he's a lot brighter than he's letting on. Okay. Later, well, kid, good. after I douse the lamp because we about to have cover or company. And he makes Scott disappear, and then he follows Scott. He doesn't just make Cyclops disappear. He atomizes him. Right. Uh, Now I feel as if I'm dissolving, fading away into nothing but atoms. That's just... I'll be joining you in about two seconds. (laughs) So apparently uh, Jack Winters has the ability of limited mental suggestion, maybe? And also teleportation. Yes. And so they both teleport away. The police enter the cabin and they're like, oh, geez, didn't you hear somebody talking? Oh, I sure did. And I also saw a light. Geez, but the light's still warm, but there's nobody in here. Ah, did you check out the gams and the girl in the secretary's pool? <laughs> <laughs> and then we flash to the professor who's... Uh, Studying Cyberno. Yes. I feel like this is a retcon. He's talking to himself. <laughs> well, if you remember in issue three or four or something, they talk about Cyberno, and I made a big deal about that because it really seemed like a typo to me. Mm-hmm. I still maintain that it's a typo, but Stan Lee is like, no, no, Cyberno. I always maintained that there'd be a Cyberno, a Cerebro and a Cyberno. It only makes sense, son. Because in here it says asterisk. Cyberno, of course, is somewhat less sophisticated version of Cerebro, the professor's later mutant detecting machine. Yeah, it's a retcon, but it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see that they're trying anyways. What I don't understand is why the professor is speaking out loud. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, A, he, he's alone. And B, he usually doesn't speak out loud when he's with people. Yes, because if we go back to the very first issue, he says, soon there will be no need for me to talk to you at all. But myself, I'll do that. (laughs) I talk to myself all the time. 
maybe the old man thinks he's talking to himself. Like he thinks he, he thinks he's thinking, but he's actually talking out loud. He's just crazy. He's lonely. Wasn't it like the two issues ago where he's like, I must end my isolation. It's time. Uh, He finds two signatures on Cyberno, two mutants. He says, wait, something's happening. I found him and it must be he. And it must be he? It must be he. (laughs) From the data I fed into my own personal computer. Wow. Well, this is the 60s, so him having his own personal computer is a pretty big deal. It is. Yeah. But there's a second one, far stronger. I attempted to locate one mutant, and I seem to have found two. Golly gosh. Good job, Professor. So, then as the Professor brings into play his full powers of concentration and fully utilizes Cyberno, out from nowhere, a powerful... Zit. ...appears, and the images are both gone. Zit. 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 Yes, it's incredible, just as if the people they represented had vanished off the face of the earth. But that makes it all the more urgent that I found them. So find them. So, the Professor Cyberno detected the teleportation, and the um, Jack Winters and Scott Summers appear inside of a nuclear power plant. They've got. Uh, they're also floating. They are floating and smoking. So maybe that's just part of the teleportation. They slowly float to the ground. (laughs) It could be. So we get an idea. Apparently he's got a limited version of teleportation, i.e. he can only teleport short distances. So they had to actually... had to to hop a train to get here. Yeah. So he teleported them out of the cabin. They took a train to close enough, and they teleported into the power plant. And see. He talks about his past where a few months ago he was another worker at this plant, not making enough money to pay off some gambling debts. So one night he decided he was through slaving for peanuts. And uh, apparently he waited underneath the stairwell for the guard to go by. And then he's going to steal some radioactive materials and uh, bribe or not bribe, but blackmail. Uh, well, no, not even blackmail. I think he's just going to sell it. He's going to sell it back to the people he's that gonna, he's stealing it from. It's a very uninteresting plot point, but he's going to do something with this. And just as he's trying to dislodge the uranium or whatever it is he's doing, it explodes. Spoom. With a spoon, and he runs away, <laughs> but... He ends up spending a couple of weeks at the hospital, and he has to have his hands wrapped up because his hands hurt from, from the crummy explosion. But but then, just just a little bit away from where he first met Cyclops over by the bum's fire outside of the train tracks, he feels a tingly sensation like he's picking up radio waves or something. And his hands feel kind of funny. He's better, he better take off those gloves he's been wearing over the burns these last few days. And then we flash to real time, and we see him saying, and you can guess the rest. My brain was picking up thought waves. Now let me show you what I got underneath my gloves. Diamond hands! (laughs) So, he can teleport, he's got mental powers, and he has diamond hands. That's pretty cool. No kidding. But only one of the... If he got his powers from the isotopes exploding, 
then the powers that he got from those did not make him a mutant. He but was, he didn't talk about teleportation, so maybe he already had that. I think he already had teleportation and mental powers. The diamond. But then why did he wait underneath the stairwell for the guard to leave? Couldn't he have just teleported himself into the room? I don't think he knew. Yeah, I don't think he, he didn't know yet because it says after the accident, he started feeling funny. So like after the accident is when his mutant powers developed. Which is, right. which is also it, odd because he looks like he's about 45 years old. And as yeah, he's, we I don't know. know. He's not a mutant. I'm saying he's not a mutant. As we know, mutants generally develop their powers as they go through puberty or major changes in their lives. He's a supervillain. He's not a mutant. Okay. Maybe he never went through puberty and this is the first major event that's happened <laughs> to him. Yeah. He was born a 30-year-old baby. <laughs> Okay, so he he says, I'll show you my diamond hands are real. And he slices through a steel girder and says that his name is Jacko Diamonds. It's a great name. Jacko Diamonds. Jacko Diamonds. <laughs> I am the evil Jacko Diamonds. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's your name again? Jacko Diamonds. You're going down, Jacko Diamonds. <laughs> That's Jacko Diamonds. Whatever. Oh, You're sorry. annoying. Stop it. <laughs> So he um, he we now get a thought balloon in here where he says he's insane. The radiation he what, what's going? Oh oh, Cyclops is realizing the plot now. He says, "Oh, this guy's gone insane. He only befriended me because he's got mad plans and he seeks to use me." Yeah, smart kid. Yeah. And he says, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you if you don't help me or something like that." And that's when the professor wheels in and. He Men- wants to make his whole body diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I then he'll be Jacko Diamonds Diamonds. Jacko all the diamonds. So the professor... Jacko diamonds. The professor barges in and says, Stop. Jack, cease your blind quest for power before it's too late. And Jacko Diamonds is like, No way. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to beat you instead, Baldy. Yeah, I want some power... And uh, they say some stuff. <laughs> and Professor is worried that his mental bolts, his mental bolts are, he's able to resist them. Jack of Diamonds is. And uh, say your prayers, Baldy. You're about to become the first victim of Jack of Diamonds. <laughs> yep. And there you go. The professor says, no use. Is mine resist my mental bolts? Am I doomed before I begin? Next ish, if I should die. Dun, dun, dun. Well, th- there you go, folks. Woo. That was a uh, that was an issue full. Who did you like more, Frankenstein or Jack of Diamonds? I didn't like either of them. <laughs> you know, I've read. Um, they did a five issue miniseries about. The X-Men prior to uh, X-Men number one. I can't remember what it was called. And I'm sure they've done it multiple times. But the one I read was... those classic X-Men? No. No, because classic X-Men was just backstories of modern Chris Claremont stories. This was was, done a couple of years ago. And it was basically a retelling of 
what the X-Men were doing before they were X-Men and how the professor found them. And the story that I read was nothing like the story we just read. <laughs> Very much different. Did it involve jacket items? Uh, probably. I don't really remember, actually. It, I, I don't recall it being all that good. But, you know, I, I had the trade, so at some point we, we, could, uh, we could bust it out and we could do it as part of this. But, yeah, not for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> So anyways, uh speaking of reading stuff and reviews, I guess we got we got reviewed a few times. Yeah, yeah. We got uh Lisa Slack. That sounds like a girl's name. Whoa! <laughs> she says this is like the MSTK3 uh she says this is like the MST3K of X-Men podcast, and I love it. Each episode is perfect, and I cannot stop laughing during each one. And you know what? That's how I generally explain the podcast when people ask me, what is it? I'm like, well, it's basically a commentary track to a comic book. And they're like, that doesn't... They don't you know, boldly say, that doesn't sound interesting, but the impression I get is that they're like, oh, it doesn't sound like it would work. So if you explain it as MST... MST3K. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Do you think that would do better? I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. We'll see. Try it next time. Maybe they'll be like, that sounds delectable. That sounds delightful. <laughs> Which one of you is Crow? <laughs> uh, so Holden Atreides, he also, uh, he also put out uh, a little review there. He says, best comics podcast ever. And he he's got a lot in there, so I'll just I'll just uh, just break it down a little bit. He basically says that he typed in uh, Marvel Comics into the iTunes directory and somehow came up with our podcast, which is basically exactly what he was looking for—a issue by issue uh, detail of a comic book—and it was an added bonus that we were doing the X Men. So there you go. We also got uh, letters on the Facebook one from Holden Atreides as well. And one from Jack State. Uh, Jack State reads, Hey guys, thanks for giving me some great entertainment while I paint. Wanted to post to comment on two things. First, I always find myself looking forward to finding out what music you use for your intro and exit. Let's talk about that for a second, Adam. How do you select your music? Uh, Well, I pretty much go to YouTube. And I type in, first I type in the title of the comic. Then I pick out characters from the comic, and I just keep going through uh, with themes and anything until I find something that I think makes sense. Okay. How do you do it? Yeah, basically the same thing. All right. Yeah, all right. After the episode with the Fantastic Four, I had that theme song stuck in my head for several days. Second, in response to your question, should you read the retooling of the first five comics, X-Men Season 1... I would like to hear it, but I'd rather you keep plowing forward through the issues. Thanks again for making something enjoyable for us. Now, when I suggested season one to you, I had meant it as like a one-off review. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would do it as uh, as we did our X-Men first class review, and uh, we've done a couple of other just little one-shots. So Right, okay. It wouldn't be so we're an, on the same page. It wouldn't be an app episode. It would be an off thing. But it would still be part of this feed, so people would be able to pick it up. It wouldn't be canon. Exactly. Anything else? 
Yep, we got a we got a long letter from Holden to Trades. Let's see if I can make this a little shorter. Just just finished listening to episode thirty four. Uh, enjoyed the discussion we had about whether Marvel should do a reboot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did talk <laughs> about that. Um, and I actually I read that letter and I was thinking about. That I don't really remember our conversation so much. I think I wasn't eye on board with like just rebooting the whole thing, or maybe starting over, or just scrapping all of these characters and inventing some new ones. I know I was on board with it. <laughs> I don't know anything. Uh, it just seems to me at this point in you know t- 2012, everything's. It seems to me everything's been done, or they're trying to cram much more into comic books than they used to because the way i look at it like i started reading comic books in at least x-men comic books in um i would say 88 89 1988 1989 something like that and i'm reading all these back issues and it doesn't seem like a whole lot happens between 1962 and 1992 right so it's like 30 years where they're doing stuff and they're building up a little bit of lore but between 1992 and 2012, there's been a whole ton of things that have happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like Moore's Law. It's like doubling every time. Like it took 30 years to get this far, and then it probably took 15, seven and a half, you know, three and a half, and then two, and then one. Now you're like, oh, what are we going to do? Let's end the Uncanny X-Men and just start a new title where they do the same thing again. Let's rebuild the mansion again. All right. How would you feel if the Marvel canceled all of their comics except for the Ultimate line? Well, first of all, I think Marvel would go out of business if they did that, <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest. And as far as Ultimates go, I have not really read any Ultimates. I have a few issues. Oh, well, here is uh, Holden's second question, or I guess first question. I was wondering how much of the Ultimate line you've read and what you think of it. Almost none. You? Almost all. Really? Yeah, I I went on a ultimate kick and read. I I am up to speed up to about where uh the new or the Peter Parker dies. So, which oh. is not a spoiler because it was called The Death of Spider-Man or The <laughs> Death of Peter Parker or something like that. So, ultimate the ultimate universe is basically just an alternate universe where anything goes basically. Yeah, uh it's like, you know, the the Marvel Universe is the 616. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Ultimate Universe is just another universe with similar but different happenings. Sure. What I like about the Ultimate Universe is that you kind of don't have to play by the same rules that you have in the... In the Marvel Universe, where you, like you like they did with Spider-Man, you can actually kill off main characters. Sure. Well, yeah. I've got nothing to say about that. They Holden, could... Holden continues, I'm a pretty voracious reader, but only really got into superhero comics during the last three or four years. He's really enjoyed reading the old works at the s- simultaneously as he reads the new new works. Oh, wasn't he talking about Marvel Masterworks? He's been reading some of the uh, uh, original stories alongside the the ultimate stories and marveling at how the art has changed 
Oh, and wasn't he also talking a little bit about uh, how, like, if you read X-Men number 15 and compare it to Ultimate X-Men number 15, there's a big difference in the amount of verbiage? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I can imagine that. Uh, let's see. His main reason for writing was to what to ask what we thought of the Ultimate line was. Whether it was a decent reboot, what do you thought about Marvel having a reboot and keeping the mainstream universe going? He personally, he liked it. He It was like having it both ways. Although he really does not understand why they basically self-destructed the whole line via Ultimatum. Are you familiar with Ultimatum? I am not familiar with Ultimatum. Basically, the world got flooded and a whole bunch of people died. Oh, so it's like Noah's Ark. Yep. Uh, pretty much, let's see, everybody dies except for Spider-Man and most of the cast of Spider-Man, actually. They all live? Yeah. Oh. And then a lot of the X-Men get killed, like Wolverine, Magneto, Cyclops. Most most of the main X-Men get killed. Huh. Are they still doing the Ultimate line? They are still doing it. Uh Recently, Ultimate Spider-Man died. They have a new Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Oh, and he's not white. Right. He's uh, Hispanic or black or some combination thereof. I'm not entirely sure. Okay, I think I heard about that happening. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, so that's the Ultimate line, and, and uh, they're still doing it. And, and the, there's the Ultimates. They're, who, who are they? They're the Avengers. Oh, okay. That was a pretty good read. How what now? How does like the Unlimited series t- tie into that? Like X Men Unlimited, or is that just normal? Totally different. That's, oh. I think that's the Marvel universe. That's still like nor like six one six. Yep. Okay. Like yeah, I mean, I I I don't read the Ultimate Ultimate line because I can I don't have time to pay attention to more than one universe at a time. Right. <laughs> And so uh, while I'm sure it's a perfectly decent uh, and, and, and palatable universe, I, I just can't focus my time. And for some reason, like, I'm a little weird. Like, if it's non-canon, I just don't feel like it's real. So, like, I don't read Star Trek novels. And hmm. I've read a couple of Star Wars novels, but I don't really get into them because it's like, yeah, they're not really real. None of this really happened. Yeah, see, I feel the same way, but the Ultimate Universe is a little different because it, it is its own universe. And yeah, it didn't happen in the Marvel Universe, but it's something else that happened. So my my thoughts about the Ultimate line were that I enjoyed Ultimate Spider-Man quite a bit. Uh, Ultimates was pretty good, and the first couple of issues of Ultimate X-Men were good, and then the rest of the series was pretty subpar. I didn't mind having everybody killed off at the end of Ultimatum. Hmm. All right. Well, there you go, Holden. Uh, a review of the Ultimate Universe from one of us. Holden also mentions that he wants to send us some snarky superhero-themed button from his Etsy shop, which is, uh, let's give it a shout-out here, AK Flare Buttons Made in the Frozen North by Holden Atreides. Yeah, and I encourage all of our listeners to send us something. Uh, it's just that we don't have a place for you to send it yet because we don't want toxic bombs coming to our houses. Regular bombs are okay, though. Yes. So uh, we'll we'll come up with something, and we'll let everybody know uh, where you can send us your stuff because I, quite frankly, like stuff and don't have enough stuff. <laughs> 
So we'll be sending most of this stuff your way. <laughs> <laughs> but please don't don't send me like pencils or or pens or other. You know, it's got to be. Come on, keep it somehow superhero related. You know what I'm t- talking about, or sci-fi at least. You know. There you go. My shameless plug for sending me stuff. <laughs> More to come on where to send stuff to. Once we figure that out. So, anyways, there you go. Uh, you can reach us at www.redcatproductions.com forward slash danger room uh you can go to itunes you can type in apparently you can type in marvel comics but the preferred way uh is just type in danger room you will get right there uh it'll pop up almost right away in your little search bar um and i've discovered that in order to get into those top thousand ratings that you keep talking about yes it needs to be we need to have uh subscriptions okay so that's what causes it to happen so if everybody like, let's pick a date here. If everybody unsubscribes and resubscribes on uh, May 30th, then we should break the thousand. Really? Yeah. And plus get all your friends to subscribe too. It's all it's all due on the number of subscriptions you have per day. But it, Oh. Huh. All right, folks. So, there you go. The, there's your challenge. <laughs> I want every one of you... First of all, if you're not subscribed on iTunes, go to iTunes and do a quick subscription. Secondly, on the 30th... But wait till May 30th. Yeah, I, I don't we know. want it all to happen on the 30th. That seems like a very difficult thing to organize and coordinate. I'd be just... I'd be happy... Uh, I would be just as happy if you were to subscribe to us uh, on iTunes if you're not already. Have your friends subscribe. Spread the word. And maybe maybe one day we can crack in. I'm not. We don't need to cheat the system, Adam. We can get there legitimately. <laughs> we can do it. Uh, you can also go to Facebook. But wouldn't you be happy having cheated the system? No, no. I You'd want be like, ah, oh, that was so cool. We cheated the system. Uh, I want it to be real. I want All to right. earn it. It'll be so much more delicious if we can earn it. All right. Um, you can also visit us at uh, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. And you can Twitter us at Go Danger Room. Close. Danger Room Go. Yeah. At Danger Room Go. Good job. Or you could email us at DangerRoom at RedCatProductions.com. So many ways to get get a hold of us. Maybe one day we'll actually get that mailbox you can send something to. And if we get really old school, a telephone number. Although I don't know what you would do with that because I certainly wouldn't answer it. Well, we were, we'd have to get like a messaging service oh, so people yeah. can leave us questions. There you go. And also, uh, don't forget, if you want to, uh, record your favorite scene of a comic book, panel or two, keep it down to about a minute or so, and uh, do crazy voices. If you got a computer, load it up and do some sound effects, whatever you want to do. We would put it right here if we had anybody to do it, but this week we don't. Yeah, it's sad. So it could be you. I have a fe- I have a feeling this feature is going to die. <laughs> we'll give it the old college try. One more attempt, and if, if nothing, well, we can, then we'll uh, move give, on. Give it, give it five more attempts. Oh, okay. Sporadically pl- placed throughout episodes, sprinkled throughout the episodes. Gotcha. All right, well, then, uh, until next time, the danger room is closed. <laughs>